capital of the world. Bring your lunch. It's the T.C. Martin Show. With a flex of the muscles. Diagnosis. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Prognosis. So he does a lot of things out on the floor, including dunk. Osmosis. Wow, he can really bounce off the floor. It's the doctor. <laughs> Good Friday to you. We are live from Sunset Station, the STN uh, Mobile Sports App Studio. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, and Sam Gordon in the house here for our number one. Sam I am, Sam the man. What is going on, my friend? T.C., how you doing? Happy Friday. Right back at you, man. We're ready for a little weekend, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a a long week of basketball. Mm -hmm. Uh, Exciting week of basketball. And there's going to be more basketball coming up. So definitely excited for the weekend. We have a lot of hoop to talk about today, ranging from the NBA Finals. No game tonight, but we have to wait till tomorrow for Game 4. This thing being so spaced out. It's just driving me crazy with that. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We also talk Team USA men's basketball here in Las Vegas. Uh, plenty of changes, plenty of updates, not just on the men's side, but the women's side as well, too. So uh, we got a lot to dive into today. And again, this is the basketball hub. Sure, the NBA Finals are not going on. That's taking place in Milwaukee and now, you know, in Phoenix for the game on uh, tomorrow night, but uh, still, you like USA basketball. I mean, this is your hub and has been the hub for the past couple weeks. Exhibition games taking place with Team USA on the men's side and the women's side, and uh, we've got that going on throughout the weekend. And then Monday, uh, everyone's on a flight mm. or flights mm. to Tokyo, Japan. Yeah. And what is that going to mean? Wow. All right, so oh, we got all that to, to cover today. All right, uh, Ballpark Frank, my man, how you feeling? It's been a busy day and uh, with no sleep last night and everything, but oh, overall I'm hanging in there. <laughs> okay, there it is. All right, uh, let's uh, get into it, guys. Uh, stacked uh, guest uh, lineup uh, again here today. We got Sam with us uh, for the first hour. Our good friend and your cohort over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, Heidi Fang, will join us. We'll talk some uh, Connor McGregor news yeah, with yeah, her. Yeah. There's plenty to talk about with that, and also hit on the Raiders uh, as well too. And uh, good friend uh, of mine, Ruthie Bolton. The f- former, I guess we we'll say former WNBA All-Star. Uh, I really appreciate, you know, what the WNBA has been doing and uh, Team USA, the women's side as well as the men's side, but specifically on the women's side, celebrating the 1996 women's basketball team that featured Ruthie Bolton, Lisa Leslie, Don Stately, and the list goes on and on and on. They were celebrated at the All-Star Game on Wednesday night, and Ruthie Bolton, a two-time Olympic gold medalist and a former Sacramento Monarch back in the day uh, in the WNBA. So uh, she will join us today. So look forward to hearing her story. She has an amazing story as well and continues to um, be involved uh, in the women's game and uh, a lot of charitable organizations in Sacramento that uh, she has founded herself. So, you know, very special. Yeah, that's big time. All right, so we got that going today. So uh, a a lot on the table here. All right, uh, let's first dive into... The NBA Finals, game number five, coming your way tomorrow night in Phoenix. You know, Sam, I can't get used to this. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have a name change in the arena in Phoenix. Phoenix. Are are you aware of that? Yeah. yeah. I I recently figured it out. 
I recently figured it out. My dad, actually, when I was home in Minnesota, I told him, Dad, let's let's go through the arenas. You know, I need to know these. Quiz me. And we sat there and went over them for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And what happened to Talking Stick Resort? That's what it was for the longest time. And all of a sudden, it's Phoenix Suns Arena now. So, anyways, back at Phoenix Suns Arena tomorrow night. TC, we have a series. Oh, wait, 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 Sam. No, no, no. No, we have changes. We have changes uh, on all fronts here. Team USA, uh, rosters. But we got, we got an arena name change. It's not that Phoenix Suns Arena anymore, my friend. When has it not been? They just going to Phoenix Suns Arena. We'll, we'll start starting tomorrow. You start today. It is now the Footprint Arena. It, it's foot. <laughs> so it was Talking Stick Resort Arena, yeah. And then it was Phoenix Suns Arena, yeah. And now it's Footprint Arena. Yeah, footprint in, in the middle of the series. That's right. Yeah. I don't know what that means. And in you, know, Milwaukee, I still can't get that right. The five serve or five you know, yeah, five serve forum. And again, you know. I, I was used to the Bradley Center for all those years, you know, and now you know now it's five serve. But now Footprint Arena tomorrow night, my friend, in the middle of the series. Uh, that's what I'm being told. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. See, there, there's that's a column. That needs to be a column, my I friend. I had no clue. I thought you were talking about Talking Stick Resort to Phoenix Suns Arena because I felt like that happened in the middle of the season too. Yeah. Well, it was something else before Talking Stick. I mean, they've gone through about four or five name changes, haven't they, in Phoenix? Can we just find a name and stick to it, it please? <laughs> This is as bad as uh, in in Oakland and in San Francisco as well too. I mean those those baseball fields and those baseball stadiums and back when the Raiders were playing there, that was ridiculous as well. Oak Oco and all this other nonsense. I, I, I lost track. Yeah, like two or three names ago. Yeah, I mean we could yeah we can do we could play stump the stump the Schwab or whatever stump Sam if if we got here. I mean, did you realize that that the the A's and the Giants are basically the Warriors and the Giants basically have had the same arena name or stadium name because they changed it over. So what the Giants stadium used to be AT&T Park, it was Pac Bell Pac Park, Park, and now it's whatever the Warriors had their name the last few years. Chase? No, that's 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 Oracle Phoenix. Park. That's our huh? Oracle Park. There we go. Oracle Park, Oracle Arena yeah. goes across the bay. To Oracle Park. Yeah. Please help me out. Yeah. Help me out. Me too. I don't don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. (laughs) Frank, if you got some thoughts, please help me out here. Uh, I remember when the Phoenix Suns used to play at America West Arena way back in the day. That was the name I was looking for. America West, huh? Yeah, America West, the airlines. Yeah, they they were a great airline. They had great rates in that, but uh, apparently uh, didn't know how to run their business very much. But uh, I flew America West many times. They they had more non-stops from Chicago to Vegas than anybody else. All right, man. Speaking of which, yeah, so get ready tomorrow. So when you're writing your column or whatever, you know, there it is, the, the Footprint Arena. I don't know if it's footprints or footprint. And what is a footprint? Is this a new company that I'm not aware of? Uh, yes, that's a great question, TC. It feels like every time I come on a show, I learn something new. What's the new name for penalty kicks again? A ball on the spot. Ball on the spot. Yeah. I BOS. Ball. I learned about BOS two weeks ago. Now I'm learning the name change of the arena. I got to come on every week. I think I think I actually uh, coined the BOS part. You know, I think yeah, I should I should patent that bad boy. Well, ESPN uh, certainly didn't live up to it because they kept on calling it penalty kicks after like the first couple games. Yeah, and when you look at the official box score afterwards, it says. Uh, winner 3-2 PK. Mm. So, I mean, they want us to call it this, but they're not converting. They're not helping us out here. By no, the way, not. according to this story here, the Phoenix Suns and Mercury uh, will be playing in Footprint Center. Oh, Center. center. And it's not Prince. Whoa. It is Prince. So, Footprint Center. Whoa. And do we know what Footprint means? I mean, is that a leftover uh, you know, from your Nike shoe? What's the deal with that? I don't know. I'm assuming that uh, when you're walking around in the dirty, nasty desert, you leave a footprint. I don't know. <laughs> Unbelievable. 
in know. the middle of the series. Shouldn't that be really in North Carolina? I mean, the Tar Heels, right? Wouldn't that make more sense? Footprint. Well, then it would be yeah. Tar Heel Center, not Footprint. I, By the I way, understand. this here says Footprint is... You, you see where I'm going, though? You know, yes. Well, tar Heel. Would, you, would you like the answer to your question? Yes, please. Okay. Footprint is a tech company focused on eliminating single-use plastic through the development and manufacturing of subst- sustainable technologies. Healthy planet healthy people Eco-friendly. so it's good for the environment so that a whole stadium apparently is recyclable wow well, like what i'm hearing if that doesn't scream basketball i don't know what does right i don't need it tc <laughs> frank thanks for the education both of you guys the, i'm learning something that i, I gotta got thank numchuck he gave me the phone and as far as i know it's not like yesterday i, I think this is actually real news oh. <laughs> we have a we have a crack production staff here as you know sam you know cracked as in ed there oh, you yeah. go all right, back to the game in hand here. All right, so the Bucks went back home. It was doom and gloom when we got together last week. For a lot of people, were thinking, oh, my goodness gracious, the Phoenix, they're going to be done in four. They're going to sweep Milwaukee. And we said, not so fast, my friends. We know how the Bucks are at home at the Fiserv Forum. There we go. There, see, I'm, it's, it's rolling up the tongue now. So we, we know how they are. We saw it happen against Brooklyn. And now, Sam, this seems to be deja vu all over again. Bucks get the job done in game three with the blowout fashion. Game four, they come from behind down nine in the fourth quarter. Quarter, but they rally, whether it's Giannis, whether it's Middleton, whether it's Drew Holiday, they got the job done, and now we're 2-2. Do you feel like, well, I'll let you speak for it. I would say, do you feel like now we have a series? But I've always kind of felt we've had a series. We've always had a series. Yeah, yeah I didn't, I thought, obviously, when you go up 2 nothing, if you're the Suns, right, you have the edge at that point. But the series was never over because, uh, because Milwaukee's been so good at home, and they've been in this spot before, TC. And what I thought really flipped this series is Phoenix is the more skilled team. They have more shooting. They have Chris Paul. They have Devin Booker. They have those perimeter guys that can go get you a bucket at any time or create an open look for a teammate or somebody else. But Milwaukee is more physical. Milwaukee is the bigger, more physical team, and they finally started to play like that. And they, they, They've mixed things up a little bit. We know how physical Giannis is. That's not a secret. But you got Drew, Drew Holiday picking Chris Paul up. 94 feet, picking him up the length of the floor. You have Chris Middleton doing what he does on both ends of the floor, finding a groove and running that pick and roll with Giannis Antetokounmpo late in the game that that seems to get a good shot regardless of what the defense does. They've really uh, asserted their physical will, and I think they're starting to wear Phoenix down a little bit. I mean, you look at this point in the the season, Chris Paul, a lot of miles at this point for a guy who's 36, who was playing only about 30 minutes a game in the regular season. Now he has one of the the league's best perimeter defenders guarding him the entire game, picking him up full court. We saw how, how poorly he played the other night. It feels like Milwaukee's figured some things out and figured out how to slow down this Phoenix offense because, like we talked about before, they had no answer for what Phoenix was doing offensively earlier in the series. They do now, and it, the granted, Milwaukee's offense isn't pretty, but they find a way to score. They find a way to score, whether it's you know putbacks, offensive rebounds, whatever. They're getting it done. You know, to your point with Chris Paul, Chris Paul had two turnovers in game number one. Yep. In the last three, he's had fifteen. Mm. And. You know, never more so evident than what we saw in one of those final possessions. Yeah, you know where again he basically just fell down. Yeah, and I don't know if that's fatigue. I don't know, you know, what it is. But when we go back and we and B.J. Armstrong 
brought this up yesterday, and a great point as well, too. Because, you know, people want to talk about Phoenix and how great they are in the high seed and everything, but this is still one of the youngest teams in the NBA. For sure. And you have nobody except for Jay Crowder, who got to the finals last year with Miami. But, again, everybody else, including Chris Paul, what, a 16-year veteran or whatever he is, has never been on this stage before. Devin Booker, tremendous talent, never been on this stage before. And it really... It's, uh, you know, really gets heightened when you go play in a place like Milwaukee yeah. where you've got 18,000 fans. <laughs> and, again, you haven't really been facing that type of crowd all season long for the better part, especially for these young guys. You haven't seen a crowd at all last year. Right. And then minimal crowds this year. Yeah. So that could be a shock to the that, system. That's a tremendous point, TC. And, and, and when you talk about what's going on up there in Fiserv, in the Pfizer form <laughs> in, in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, those are deep waters. Those yeah. are deep, deep waters that Milwaukee brought those young, like you said, those young Phoenix Suns into. Mikel Bridges, 24 years old. Devin Booker, 24 years old. Uh, Cameron Johnson, 25 years old. DeAndre Ayton, 25 years old. So yeah, you're right. This is a young group and you take a look at Milwaukee, that's a very, very veteran team, right? Mm-hmm. Middleton's almost 30. Lopez is in his 30s. Drew Holiday in his 30s. Giannis is an, a mature 26. Plays like he's in his 30s. Yeah, absolutely. He's a mature 26. Yeah. Been in the league nine years yeah. right uh, now at this point. So he's he's a veteran himself. So I think the kind of the veteran edge and, and the you know Milwaukee understood we got to make some adjustments what we were doing in the first two games and working let's make this a little bit more physical let's play our brand of basketball and it's been really effective now the question TC those Phoenix young those those young Phoenix guards and wings they're, they're, we know they're way more comfortable at home how is Milwaukee going to come into that hostile environment in Phoenix where Phoenix has has done a tremendous job all year protecting home court and, t- and took the first two games of the series. So uh, it's this is I mean this is what exactly what we wanted a, a fun competitive series and we got it. It's a best of 3 now when Phoenix has two of those three games at home. And the narrative changes every game. Yeah. And it definitely changes when you get on when these teams get on planes and they and they relocate back to their cities mm-hmm. because again, you know, home home court has has held serve. And in the old adage, and we say it all the time, that a series doesn't start until the visiting team wins uh, a game of the best of seven series, you know, plain and simple. So let me ask you, do you feel that this is a, a, a home court series, a, or do you feel that, okay, now because the Bucks have won two in a row, that now advantage Milwaukee? I I think advantage Milwaukee. I think I think Milwaukee gets it done in six. I think Milwaukee That's gets what it the done. crowd was chanting. That, <laughs> Bucks in six. <laughs> <laughs> if I serve form crowd was putting it down. Yeah, I think Milwaukee gets it done in six. TC, I think um, you take a look at Phoenix. There's no answer for Giannis whatsoever. And if he gets one guy to come along with him, whether that's Chris Middleton, like the way he did uh, the other night, and, of course, he carried the load offensively down the stretch. I don't want to make it sound like he was just coming along because he was a star of the show. Uh, but whether that's Chris Middleton, whether that's Drew Holiday, whether that's Brooke Lopez, if he can get a 25-point game for one of those guys or get both the two of them you know, to combine for, for 35 or 40, uh, I feel really, really good about Milwaukee's chances because even though he didn't have the best game offensively, he still was 26-14-8. He still finds a way to impact the game even when he's not scoring, and you figure he's going to get back to doing what he was doing offensively earlier in the series uh, Back back in Game 5, Phoenix did a really good job kind of disrupting his rhythm uh, early in the game, not letting him get off like that, not letting him have such free access to the to the paint. But for the most part in the series, through the first four games, he's been able to do whatever he wants, and I, I think that trend is more likely to continue than the one-game aberration of Phoenix slowing him down. So if Giannis does his, you know, gets his 30 to 35 and has somebody to come with him, uh, Milwaukee's in good shape. I like their chances, even on the road. And we saw 
Phoenix lose a home game five to the Clippers just in the last series. True. Where there was a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations. It's not like they're unbeatable at home. They can be beat. The Clippers have done it. Now it's Milwaukee's turn to step up to the plate. You know, we talk about Giannis, and he is so much of the story, there's no doubt. And the narrative has been in the last couple of games is that you know Giannis has has dominated. Phoenix basically cannot stop him, especially in the inside. And I point to DeAndre Ayton, like, what happened to DeAndre Ayton? He played five minutes in the second half of Game 3. Game 4, he was disruptive uh, you know, to a certain degree on defense, and he had 17 rebounds, but he only had six points. So he's getting a lot of flack for not putting up offensive numbers. And we go back to that Game 3 that I talked about. Remember how dominant he was in Game 3 when the Suns were hanging around? And yeah. then all of a sudden, game uh, in the second half, I mean, he, he was non-existent, only played five minutes. And I know people want to say, well, foul trouble. But DeAndre Ayton, we've seen him in streaks. But we've seen him for some pretty, you know, doldrum streaks here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, TC, we're talking about a guy who, through the first three rounds of the playoffs, looked like one of the best two-way bigs in the league. He was finishing everything around the rim. He was gobbling up offensive rebounds like they were Captain Crunch, like they were Frosted Flakes. He was devouring them. And he was and he was protecting the rim on both protecting the rim and, and shutting off drive to the basket and I, I don't know what it was he just it seems like since early in the series he was great game one but he hasn't been able to put together a complete performance and of course there's gonna, there's a lot of pressure on him defensively we know that he's the only player on the floor that has a chance to kind of keep pace with Giannis and keep him away from the rim but they need they need more production from him on on offense that game TC was there for Phoenix to win you get a virtuoso from Devin Booker you get his best game of the postseason a really really efficient night. We talk about Giannis needing one guy to come along. Devin Booker needed somebody to come along with him. Chris Paul didn't come along and DeAndre Ayton didn't come along. His two co-stars were nowhere to be found and as a result, Phoenix squanders that brilliant performance that he was putting forth. It was He was knocking down everything under the sun, TC, and that third quarter was ridiculous. No help whatsoever. None. You know, I'm I'm also curious to see what happens in Game Five when it comes down to Milwaukee going up there because the first two games the crowd was doing the counting every time Giannis was on the line they were getting into it they felt like they were a factor in those blowout wins for Phoenix but now that Milwaukee's got those two games and they know what the environment's like and everything and they've got the momentum going from winning two games at home I have a feeling that in Game Five Milwaukee's going to go up there and those things aren't going to bother them as much as they did if they really bothered them that much in the first place and we. We know that that Milwaukee's. I mean, their goal obviously. We always talk about the pivotal game five. They want to win this one. Obviously, both teams want to win it, but they want to win it. They're going to be more comfortable in Phoenix because that gives them the opportunity to wrap it up at home. It does. But here's here's my thing. We've seen Milwaukee struggle on the road before. Yeah. You know, regular season playoffs, and again, the way they were uh, affected. You know, in games one and two. And, and, again, they're a great home team. But, again, they're not really a good road team. So I'm curious, like you point out, Sam, did they really make those adjustments or are they going to now crack when they have the 17,000, 18,000 to the footprint center <laughs> and when they hear those those maniacs get back into it? And as we know, Game 5 is the pivotal game of these series, especially when it's 2-2. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the million-dollar question. I think I, – I think – we reach that point now, TC. We know what we're getting from Giannis. Giannis is going to perform. Yes. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, for as good as they are, and these are Olympians, and we know we saw Chris Middleton just hang 40 on. We know he has that capability. 
those guys lack the kind of consistency that comes with being an upper echelon mm-hmm. star. So that's that's what we're we, we're going to have to wait to see to find out because I'm, I'm fairly confident Phoenix's role players will be better in their own building with their own crowd behind them. I think Phoenix is going to play a better game. Um, with that in mind, it's going to take a better effort for Milwaukee than the one they put forth on Wednesday in order to get this done. And like I said, Giannis is good. He's going to get his 30 and 15. Like I, I feel fairly confident about that. That's what he's averaging for this series of 30 or 14. Can he get 40 combined from Middleton or Holiday? Can can one of those guys get him 25 or 30? Can Lopez make four or five threes? Those are the questions that, that I have, and I think it's, it's so many games. It's these role guys that, that swing them because the stars are the stars, and it takes a, a team. It takes a team, and you, you talk about you know, other guys hitting big shots. Rajon Rondo stepping up in last year's finals. You know, J.R. Smith stepping up in 2016, hitting big shots. Who is going to hit the big shots in these games? Because the superstars are going to do superstar things. It's, it's on the role guys and kind of the secondary stars to, to, to swing the outcome, and I, I do feel good about Milwaukee's chances. I really do. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do. As much as I like Milwaukee and I'd love to see them win this series, when they go to Phoenix in Game 5, I don't have that confidence just because they won game Games 3 and 4. And we go back to Game number 4, let's remember they trailed I'm going to ballpark it here. They trailed, I would say, probably for about 43 of the 48 minutes. Yeah. Isn't that about right, you think? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, Phoenix should have won that game. They should have won the game. They were in control. Blew a nine-point lead in the fourth quarter and in a five-point lead with about three minutes to play. And they, they left the door wide open. And, again, the Giannis block, phenomenal. Yeah. I know people want to want to grade that versus LeBron's block against Iguodala and that sort of thing. And, you know, at this moment, I mean, that block was phenomenal, especially when you see how high he got up yeah. as well, too. So I love this Milwaukee team, and I know they're riding momentum right now. And I, and I do buy into the fact that, okay, they, they are a little bit different team now than they were in games one and two. But I just think that we are going to get Phoenix's best shot on their home floor, Game 5. And I know that people said, hey, after Game 3, the way Booker played, well, Booker doesn't have, you know, back-to-back bad games. Sure enough, he lit it up big time in Game Number 4. And I think, you know, Devin Booker, again, I, you're right. The Superstars are going to do their thing. I think, you know, Booker's going to do his thing. I think Aiton's going to do his thing. And Chris Paul, you know, even though he... He hasn't been in these NBA Finals. He is the veteran, and he orchestrated everything so beautifully up until games three and four. I think he shows up as well. It would not surprise me if Phoenix sure. has a double-digit victory yeah, here. For sure, for sure. I mean, and that's what the nature of the series so far, yeah. right? Like, right. until we see otherwise, until the road team actually does get it done, it's it's hard to go against the, the, the home team. And um, you mentioned Chris Paul, TC. I'm glad you do that because this is a guy who, first and foremost, Ultimate winner. Everywhere he goes, they win. They succeed. Uh, I think some of the the kind of the the shots at his legacy are a little unfair. I think context matters here, and he wasn't always, you know, he was in situations where him at five eleven, six feet, was asked to do, where I was asked to carry a big load, and and he didn't always deliver. And I don't I don't hold that against him, uh, but this is a situation for him where the, you want to go out and make a statement, right? This, I mean, two two series, home game five, coming off of a bad game. Has there ever been more pressure on Chris Paul than there's going to be tomorrow night? You know, and if he delivers and Phoenix goes on to win the series, we're going to remember this as a legacy game, kind of like we remember that game six. And if he doesn't deliver and plays like he did in game four, whether or not fairly or unfairly, and again, I think a lot of the criticism is unfair, we're going to point to the end of game four, what he does in game five. When we talk about Chris Paul, you know, moving forward after he retires, it's it's tough. It's, it's a brutal situation he's in. Again, I think he's an ultimate, ultimate competitor, an ultimate winner, uh, but he, he 
he had an opportunity to close that game out on right. on Wednesday and didn't get it done. So there's a lot of pressure on him, I think, to respond, to play well, to play like he has been throughout the course of the playoffs. And I'm curious to see how he plays. I mean, I think it's I think it's awesome. You don't think that the bright lights and all of those cameras, the State Farm commercials prepped him for this? Come on, Sam. Huh? There's a lot of pressure there, don't you think? With those commercials. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is. There definitely <laughs> is. There definitely is. He doesn't want Cliff Paul taking his taking his job on those commercials, right? Although it might have been Cliff Paul out there at the end of game four. It's, it's true. I don't know. But, but, but here's the thing, though. I mean, you can always stop and take two, take three. He probably had 120 takes. You know, between him and Rodgers, you know, those guys had tons of takes on these State Farm commercials. This is live stuff here. He only got one take at that possession at the end of the fourth quarter <laughs> the other night. So, he good thing for Chris Paul. Look, you're back home. It's 2-2. There's no reason to panic. Milwaukee didn't panic when they were trailing the series. All you got to do is protect home court. And, and if he plays a good floor game, uh, Phoenix has a great chance to win. I, I, I am picking Milwaukee in six. But, again, TC, not, no surprises if the home team, a very good home team, takes care of business at Footprints Center. Uh, footprint, right, Frank? Footprint, footprint Center. Right? Footprint Singular. Center. And uh, and also remember what BJ told us when we talked to him yesterday, too, that uh, Aiton's success as far as scoring in that is a lot dependent on how Chris Paul plays yep. as well. Yeah, and it's predicated on your point guard. There's no doubt. When you have those pick and rolls and you know how Chris Paul is playing, that's going to you mean the ultimate success for your big guy. Yeah, yeah, 100%. He, he gets DeAndre Aiton going with those lobs, those duck-ins, getting him the ball in really, really favorable spots. And you know, when he's turning the ball over and not getting into the paint like he normally does, and that, and that limits what Aiden's able to do, and that's when you got to go to the offensive glass. And for as good as he was rebounding, uh, you know, I think he left some – he needed some, some big offensive rebounds there late and didn't get him. All right, quick synopsis here. Uh, game five tomorrow night, looking forward to it in Phoenix. Uh, Frank, who are you going with? Uh, I I think the Bucks are going to come out. They're going to try to quiet the crowd early. But I don't know if they're going to get that done because the crowd's going to be absolutely insane. I think Phoenix wins at home, and the home team continues to win in the series right now. Sam? I got Milwaukee in six. But I think it's going to be a very, very competitive game. I think it's going to be a very, 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 very competitive game. Hmm. I'm on the fence, but a, a, a lean, a slight lean towards the home team because again, you know, I think it, uh, home court's going to serve up, and I think you know, you know, I can't remember the last time the Phoenix Suns have lost three games in a row, uh, even going back to the regular seasons. I, I cannot re- remember that, and I think they are going to uh, show up big. And again, uh, if you're a Phoenix Suns fan and you're a Phoenix Suns player and, and the coaching staff, you just point to game number four and say, "Listen, we let one get away there. Sure. We we outplayed this team for a majority of the contest, and we let one get away." But, you know, you're going to have to slow Giannis down. You're yep. going to have to. And you mentioned those numbers. they they got to keep him under 28, 26 points. Whether they can or not, it's a different story. But in order to win this game, you know, you're going to have you to You can't do let that. him get 40 like you did no. in game three and no. just dunk everything. No, you can't. And, and again, you know, I, I don't think the injury was that big of a deal. But it definitely is not that big of a deal now. But it was more of a big deal in, in game two in Phoenix. Sure. You know, game three after that rest, and it, and it has helped him. It yeah. definitely has helped him with this series being so spread out time-wise. Well, we normally, right, TC, we get one day in yeah. between games when there's no travel and right. then two days for Correct. travel. Correct. Well, we're getting two days in between every single game except for game six and seven, which is mm-hmm. just kind of a weird setup, like you said. So, yeah, it does do Giannis. It, I think it has benefited Giannis. He looks more and more healthy as the series wears on. And, you know, at this point, I can't even tell. I wouldn't have even been able to know that he hurt his knee right. you know, in the previous series but with how well he's moving. Yeah, And, you know, TC, you mentioned, too, Chris Paul. You said that maybe when he fell that was a little bit of fatigue. Maybe the two days off helps him a little bit. I, I agree for sure. I, yeah, yeah, I think I think, I, I think it definitely helps. 
helps uh, you know him and and probably uh, the Phoenix Suns in general. So we'll see what happens. But looking forward to this. I, I hope it is a seven game series because again, going into this series, I mean, you could make an argument. We did make an argument for both teams winning this. And again, there's sentimental stories as well, too. The Bucks haven't you know, won a championship since 71. The Phoenix Suns have never won a championship in their 53 years of existence. So this is a great feel-good story, and it does take you back to those series you know, I'd probably go, you know, back recently to, you know, the Warriors and the Cavs when, you know, hey, who, you know, it, who's going to win this series? Is sure. it going to be Steph in, in, in company or is it going to be LeBron and company back yeah. then? And we got some riveting, you know, seven game series yeah. back in those days. Yeah. And this, even though we don't have that kind of star power and, uh, you know, kind of repeat performers, uh, repeat performers, we've got two teams that have been really, I'd say, that at the tops of both, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Even Probably though, champ. yeah, you know, it, it, these these teams have been fantastic, and they've been fantastic not just this year, but the last couple of seasons. Yeah, for sure. And and if, if Milwaukee wins, you look at Giannis gets stamped with that ring. He's going to win the Finals MVP if they win. There's, I don't think there's any question about that. And then you start talking talking about his trajectory as an as an all time great because he's only 26. He has the regular season accolades. All that he's missing is a ring. And of course, the same thing goes for Chris Paul too. If, if Chris Paul is able after all. He's been through all the ups and downs in his career, uh, the the big games, the big moments in which he delivered and which he didn't deliver, and he's able to go out and get a championship with this group. I think that would be, of course, awesome. And then taking um, taking Devin Booker, I mean, that's the next step in him to him becoming a superstar. If he's 24, 25 years old with a championship, grizzled and steel by the playoffs, I think you're looking at the beginning of a really special career for one of the league's brightest young perimeter players. So it's all there's awesome storylines on, on both sides, and right now, TC, I think the series has played out. Um, like we hoped it would. I, I think we want. We, everybody just wanted something competitive with as wonky as these playoffs have been with the injuries and the regular season. And this, we deserve this kind of finals, and, yep. and we're getting it. And it's it's awesome. You got it. All right, we are live from Sunset Station, the STN Sports app mobile studio here. TC Martin, Ballpark Frank. Sam Gordon in the house uh, joined us here as well, too. And uh, Heidi Fang will join us next hour. And then also coming up, Ruthie Bolton, the two-time Olympic gold medalist, uh, women's basketball uh, Hall of Famer. She is going to join us. We'll get her thoughts on the Team USA situation. So plenty of news to talk about with that. Team USA on the men's side, roster changes. Sam has been writing about that with the Las Vegas Review Journal. So we'll dive into all that on this Friday afternoon, Hoops Heavy Edition of the T.C. Martin Show. around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin. Oh, yes, it's a Friday, and we've got all kinds of fantastic stuff happening, of course, here in Las Vegas. WNBA All-Star festivities took place on Wednesday, and uh, Team USA, the men and the women involved in action this weekend, also the big three in town as well, too. So it's a heavy basketball time here as we're accustomed to at this point in time. Usually it's the NBA Summer League and that get pushed back a little bit, so we got that in a couple weeks as well, too. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, Sam Gordon, Las Vegas Review Journal in the house with us now. Very special guest uh, bringing on right now. Uh, a good friend, a 15-year pro career she had uh, overseas as well as the WNBA, and one of those ladies, one of the pioneers as I like to say, who was there from the WNBA from its inception going back to 1996. She had eight seasons with the Sacramento Monarchs. She's a two-time Olympic gold medalist with Team USA back in 1996 and 2000. 
And uh, she's done a lot of fantastic stuff in her community, our community of Sacramento, um, you know, working with her program, Aim High, as well as she's done a lot of work with the Golden State Warriors as well, too, with uh, youth camps. She is Ruthie Bolton. Ruthie, how you doing, girl? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's a great day to be. Uh, it's a great day to be here in Las Vegas. This is a, it's 108 degrees. <laughs> you got that. It's no different than Sacramento, as you well know. In July, I mean, maybe just a couple of degrees higher, but we're used to this heat, right? Yeah, Sacramento, we get a little breeze or a little bit of breeze. <laughs> well, it's great to talk with you, Ruthie. I, I usually just get a chance to see you about once a year. So, uh, you know, I saw you, you know, was there Wednesday. You got to be honored as part of that 1996 uh, Women's Olympic team. I mean, we talk about that roster. Uh, yourself, Lisa Leslie, Don Stately. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And I want to flash back, uh, you know, to that time with you. And uh, and that team, and really that was, you know, we talk about the the dream team with the men in, in 1992. That really was really the first dream team with the women as well, too. Talk about what that was like being part of that team. Man, you know what I tell you, it's it, you know when I when I've been asked this question, you know, even throughout the years, and especially this, you know, these past two or three days, I know it sounds cliche saying, oh, it just seemed like it was just yesterday. It was so. It's listen. That experience, I know without a doubt, changed in my life. It changed the trajectory of women's sports. And there was so much at stake. Like, we, every day in practice, we were not, we saw nothing but gold. And it, it, listen, the coach said, any day that you feel like you could just set up for a bronze or a, a shiver, let me know and you'll hit that. We'll put you on the first thing smoking. <laughs> because there's no, listen, I'm telling you, she, we, we were so lean in, we're so committed, so dedicated. To that, like getting the gold, like there was no, like there was no plan B. There was no such thing as well, you know. No, uh-uh. it was a, it was like, hey, you know, they're saying don't put all your eggs in one basket. We didn't have a one basket. It was a get a goal, and we put everything we had into that. So to be with these young ladies, I call them young, to, and here we sat around, we reminisced, um, and we just, I know, I don't know if you know, but ESPN is doing a documentary on our 25th anniversary. You know, they're doing a documentary to come out next year. But we were sitting around talking about it and the memories, and we laughed and like, oh my God, it was 25 years ago, and we was act like it, it seemed like it just happened, you know, uh, a month ago. So it's just really the ripple effect of what this experience has been. The, when the goal was one layer, the layers of the impact that we've continued to do and to branch out. Uh, I've been able to write two books. I've been able to sing song like I've been able to sing a song called Dream Big, which I'm just finishing up now. But it's really just creating this space to just empower young girls and, and, and women around the world. People, you catch people's attention with a gold medal of the Olympics. So that didn't just the attention getter, but we've been able to do just, you know, just a paramount of things since then. So I'm just so thankful to have been one of these players that, was a, uh, that laid the foundation, one of these players that, you know, that, uh, that create a legacy for women's basketball. I'm honored and I'm thankful and I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude. And the thing about it is, people may not remember back in those days, you guys just won in blowout fashion as well, too. And, and I believe the record was something like 60-0. and 0. You guys went 8-0 in those Olympiads. You know, in, in the 96 games, you guys went 8-0, gold medal, 2008-0. But with all the other, whether it's exhibitions or the world championships and that sort of thing, it was like 60-0 and 0 or something like that, wasn't it? It was like ridiculous how successful this team was. Yeah, you know what? It, it is. It's just... We the way, and I don't know if you've heard this story, but it would be 
There is no story without this. You know, it's like Tara about a year from the Olympics, and I want you, I'm going to paint this picture for you, okay? A year from the Olympics, so okay, they actually think that I was Tara's favorite. They they said she because she around the circle she she named everyone why you made a team. You know, Lisa Leslie, your scoring ability. Uh, Katrina McClain, your rebound ability. Uh, Teresa was your leadership. You know, you have three. You've been your experience. Nick and McCray, your defense. Katie, your shooting. I'm like, she named all these people. I'm like, hey, what's she going to say about me? I'm like, hold up, say something for me. She gets to me. She said, I just flat out told the committee, I'm not leaving the country without Ruthie because I can trust her in my foxhole. <laughs> to me, that is the ultimate, the biggest compliment you will ever get from a coach. Can yep. I trust you? Can I trust you to show up when you might be having a bad day? Can you lean in? Can you commit in spite of what you might be going through? So so now they're thinking that I'm, I'm, her, I'm, I'm, I'm her favorite. So we go out to this football field, and, and so they're saying, what is she doing? This lady crazy. What is she doing? Why is she taking like She's going to run us to death? I'm like, I don't know. She ain't told me nothing. So what she did when we got out there, she, she had us to watch about a minute and a half of teams that had lost a minute and a half of teams that had won. The, the agony and the feed, the sadness, the disappointment. The teams that had won, the excitement, the joy. They're like, oh, my God, we're, you know, we're medalists. We're gold medalists. We're, you know. So we watched the difference. She said, which one you want to experience? She said, hold up. Don't answer right now. Think about it for a second. Which one you want to experience? So we waited a couple minutes, and she said, apparently, if you're still here, you want to experience the gold. So she had Teresa Edwards. We stood in line. She put us in the line. Stand right here. Stand right here. Stand right here. We put Teresa Edwards' gold medal around our neck, okay? After we got done, she played the national anthem. After she got done, she said, guess what? Right where you stand, a year from now, the arena will be built, and this is the gold medal uh, platform. This is the podium for the gold medalists. To your left is the silver, to your right is the bronze. She said, so she had us to visualize winning, and that spot in a year we'll be standing on the podium. Because she said, listen, when you feel like quitting, when you, if you feel like we're working too hard, you feel like, think about this moment. And she said, it's not going to be easy, but think about this moment. So you can't just expect just to win the gold medal because you're from USA. You can't expect just to show. She said, I want to make sure that we don't get there and say we should have worked harder. So to me, that was so profound to create this visual because guess what? A vision as this track star, I think her name was Betty White, a vision without work. It's just an illusion. So we don't want the illusion of that. We're doing so good. Okay, yeah, we're doing good. The media sounds like USA, USA. She said, I don't care less about what the media. Oh, I, no, no pun intended, but she was so, she said, right, this is our circle. This is our, I don't care about what the media saying. The media saying you this and that. You can't get too arrogant. We, we could not, well, we could not say, okay, we're the number one. You know, we're going to be down our straight. No, we, we could make statements like that. She said, you can't show the enemy your hand. There's nine elements in military. There's nine elements of war in military, and one of the most impactful one is element surprise. So if you if you show them what you got, then you can't surprise them. She said, you know, we we know we know what we are. You know, we're gonna train like we number two, but we're gonna play like we number one. So we're gonna stay humble. Yes. I would say just a fantastic story. And Ruthie Bolton is joining us, two-time gold medalist, and talking about the Atlanta games when you're sitting on staying on that football field, and that was Atlanta, and then Sydney, Australia. You know, four years later, uh, Ruthie, did you understand? Did the team understand in real time the historical impact that, that it was going to make? Did you? Did you? Did y'all know that you were in the midst of making history? We knew we had it. We knew we had to go prove ourselves. Now, now. 
we knew that there was a lot. Like, everybody looking on us, all eyes on us, all eyes on us. And we came short. Oh, I told you women couldn't play basketball. Women couldn't, Women don't deserve a league or whatever. So we thought about all these things. I thought about it every day. I didn't want to look back and say woulda, shoulda, because I'm like, so we knew there was a lot at stake, but I didn't really, the, the impact that, that this has made, like the women basketball now, the girls, what they're doing, they, we paid the price for what the opportunity that they're getting with the national team, with the, you know, with the uh, USA national team, with also just in WNBA, with what has happened with them. These girls make <laughs> five times as much as we made overseas now. So it really elevated the game. AU got powerful. Girls for saying, oh, my God, I can do that, too. I can be like a Lisa. I can be like a Cheryl. I can be like a Jim Razy. I can be like – so, to me, that is that three-point ripple. That is that three-point play effect that, you know what, not only did we win, not only did we make history, but we also impact our next generation to come. And to me, that is that three-point play because we set some of it. We didn't know it would take – we knew it was going to be big for a league, but I had no idea that I would be – that will write three books. I had no idea that I would, you know, you know, be singing. You know, all this, this what we did was build this company. We build this space. We build this narrative of women basketball powerful and powerful. each other. Hey, you know what? If I can down, I'm not going to dream. I'm going to dream big. And that's the title of my song that I'm hoping that becomes the background music for for the uh, United, for the uh, the documentary that they that they'll finish next year. I'm hoping that becomes the background music for it. Ruthie, what do you say, or what would you want to say to these players, and not just women, but I would say specifically men, because we see a lot of the NBA players say, ah, you know, I'll pass. I don't want to go represent my country. I don't want to play in the Olympics. I'm tired. Uh, you know, the women, we usually don't get that. We don't get the superstars that say, hey, no. Uh, they got their hand raised like yourself and say, I, I want to go. I want to go represent my country. I want to win that gold medal. But for those that that are, you know, get those 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 second thoughts about saying, you know, it's not that important to me. What do you say to them? So my, make it for the national team or playing for the Olympics, that's yeah. not important. Man, you know what? Those people are just fooling themselves. You know, obviously, the percentage of making it to the Olympics is very small. They're making it to college, getting a scholarship is small. They make it to the Olympics even smaller. But to me, to be able to experience basketball at that level, it, you, you can look at the NBA guys. They've already said they make, they make, you know, those guys make big money, big money. But they said it don't. And of course, they plan that's their job. But to be on that stage of the Olympics is so much bigger than the NBA. The feeling, the uh, the opportunity to stay, it is almost like an out of body experience. I'm telling you, I trouble. I got my medal sitting right now. I just, I, I was just putting around a lady neck. I said, you know, I love your smile. There, I want to share something with you. And I put a medal. She like, oh my god, you giving me goosebumps. She said, you gonna let me wear? You will be amazed to see the people's eyes light up. I don't put this this gold medal on so many people. And to me, it's not just about me. That's a saying that I said to the world. You might be one person, but to one person, you could be the world. So what we did in Atlanta is bigger than us right now. This is, and I'm trying to find our religions or whatever. But this is that was an assignment. We did something that was gonna be bigger than basketball. And speaking of assignment, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm the assistant coach for the Nigerian Olympic team. Yes, I do. Since we're talking about the Olympics. So, yep. to me, this is an assignment. This is what the ripple effect of being, you know, gold medalist in Atlanta is being able to people to see your hard work, to see what you've done. Like, you know what? I want, I smell, I sense, I smell this, this hint of success that ignites people, this hint of success that people want to be a part of, want to be around. 
And that to me, that is really that 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 ongoing that ongoing uh that ongoing empowerment that that from the 1996 Olympics is uh that like if you cook a great meal and you eat and you can still smell the fried pork chop, you still <laughs> smell the collard green where there's no food. Hey, listen, that's a beautiful thing to me, and that's what I feel like what we've done, and, and it's just to be able to sit around these girls, these ladies. The other day, I was like, oh, my God. I said, I love you all so much. I said, I thank you all for I was just so excited to be. They always laugh about how I could never remember plays, but I would make up for it by how hard I worked and by my connection. They said, I would, listen, I would play my mama if she on the court with me. I will beat my mama one-on-one if I'm on the basketball court. I had this, 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 this relentless uh, competitive mentality that I'm playing every possession, every drill, like it is the last one because of how my career unfolded, how I wasn't recruited out of high school. I had to ride a bus to college, on a, 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 a bus for 10 hours to the college. To me, to be able to um, to do that now, so I'm blessed and I'm thankful every day. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. And I know that, that God put me here for a reason. You know, I know that, what, that, that basketball course was a gift, but my true purpose exceeds that. You know, the Bible said your gifts will make room for you and put you before great men and great men and great women. So it has it has placed me in a space with so many amazing people. And I'm just thankful. I'm thankful and I'm thankful to to be chosen, to be chosen to be one of the dream teams in 1996, to be chosen to be the WNBA, to be chosen to be an ambassador for girls and be an ambassador for women. To me, that is what I thrive from now. That, that is what ignites me every day I get up. Where is my footprint? Where do What impact am I making? Because guess what? My, my medals I got, the Hall of Fame trophy, none of that does nothing if I can't inspire some young girl to, to, to believe in herself. If I can't encourage a woman to say, you know what? This is, this is the place I can rewrite my story. So all of that, all the accolades, you can't take nothing. You can't, we, when our time is up here, you can't take anything with you. It's like what you do here is really the impact. So every day I wake up, it's like, hmm, how can I create a gold medal moment? How can I create, you know, uh, 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 help someone to believe in their dream? How can I create an experience for someone where they can feel like they are an Olympian? Ruthie Bolton joins us, two-time Olympic gold medalist. You played eight years in the NBA in its early stages, and I was there. I remember those Sacramento Monarchs teams. And talk a little bit about what it was like then compared to what you see 25 years later as the WNBA is celebrating their 25th anniversary here this season, uh, how far this league has come and the reasons why you think it's come so far. You know, just uh, I think, well, obviously, with the leadership, with the NBA backing in, you know, um, uh, you know, I think that uh, it, it's really, you know, we got the, the, the talented players. The players are just, you know, remarkable to how they play. You know, some of the girls, like when I retired from basketball, some of these girls were still in diapers, you know, and uh, now just seeing a league of so many powerful players. You know, it's the other night. The WNBA team beat the Olympic team. Yeah. Go figure. You know, that, that's, you know, like I'm not saying, like, it just shows you the talent level of the players that that are playing now, um, and I think too. I think create. I think connecting with the community is huge. That's so important. That's something I think that we women we do well. That's something that I applaud the, the the WNBA that they've done quite well. When I play, I love the community aspect of it. Oh my God, I love the people. The fans are just so so awesome. I was at the All Star game the other day, and I'm walking, 
And I'm having Ruthie, hey, Ruthie, I'm over here. Ruthie, I'm over here. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, they act like I'm still, I still play. But it just felt so good, like, so humbling to see people still, like, like, hey, you're awesome. Think I love you. Thanks for the, what you did for the game. I'm like, no, thank you for supporting us, you know. So, to me, it just created this this whole this whole uh, ripple effect of just, just empowerment. And I'm thankful for WNBA that uh, that I got, you know, and I was the first player of the week. I don't know if you know that. I was the first player of the week for the WNBA. Yes, I do. Yes, I do, girl. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes, I do. She is Ruthie Bolton. Uh, amazing. And now an assistant coach with, with Team Nigeria. Uh, before we let you go, uh, speak a little bit about what you're seeing here with the men and the women. Uh, they've both struggled. We saw that uh, Team USA, the women, lost again today to Australia. They lost to the WNBA All-Stars on Wednesday. And we know in the exhibition games with the men, they're one and two, losing to Nigeria and Australia themselves before they beat Argentina. Uh, when you look at these teams, what are you thinking? You know what? Hey, the world is catching up, okay? When it, when it comes to the men, a lot of guys are NBA. These, they, the world in the NBA is catching up. The talent level, it is, it is nationwide now. You know, even though we are pick favorites, hey, you can't just show up. This new generation of players, you can't just show them and think, hey, they're just going to lay down to you. They want to beat you. When They want to always beat the ones at the top. And see, we recognize that. Our generation recognizes, like, hey, you know what? Hey, it's easy, as hard as it is to get to the top, it's easier. It's, it's, uh, it's harder to stay there. As hard as it is to get to the top, it's, it's, it's harder to stay there. So, to me, I hope it's a wake-up call for them uh, because, hey, you know what? The game is, is growing. The game is powerful, even with the women. Like I said, you know, and we know these teams out to, you know, and the Dawn has to know that she plays. She knows that all these teams was out to get, you know, USA. So, I don't know. Hopefully, they'll pick it up in gear. You know, hey, the thing about it, I know with me being a Cisco to the Nigerian team, my thing is that I say I look at this as when, when my purpose, my purpose to empower women, the the, the 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 how my life unfolded. It was about my purpose about rising above, getting over that fence, knowing what my why is. I said so. My purpose is about empowering women to help women rewrite their story. And to me, if it's red, white, and blue, if it's green and white, if it's orange and white, it makes no difference to me. Every day I wake up, I'm excited to help encourage these girls and lift them up and share stories with them. And that's what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. This is not just a job. This is an assignment. And this is an assignment, and I'm thankful for the assignment. I'm thankful to be part of these uh, ladies' life and their story and their journey. And to me, being able to, to, to remind them uh, who that they are, that they are bold, that they are mighty, they're the best version of themselves. And that's my little, new little slogan, my little thing. I'm bold, I'm mighty. And I'm being the best version of me every day. All this little fluff, fluff stuff that I can't control, I don't worry about. Every day, I'm accountable to me being bold, which is having that confidence and 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 and, uh, and what I'm doing. It's small or little, whatever. And being mighty, it's a spirit, it's a inner, it's a drive. It is that it's that inner tenacity and uh, and being the best version of me. It being okay with not being okay, being okay with recognizing my mistakes, being okay. With, hey, you know what? You need to get back. Okay, so I got this. I said, but the fact that if I wake up every day, if God, if God is giving me, if he extending a, me in life, he's giving me a heartbeat, my heart still beat, I'm good. I'm halfway there. I'm thankful, and I'm going to press on. Hey, if it rains, if it rains, I'm going to dance in the rain. So I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to, uh, let circumstance, I'm not going to let my situation be my destination. And, and another thing, I'm not going to, even though I go through what I go through, hey, you know what? I'm not 
I'm glad I don't look like what I've been through. I don't look like what I'm going through. So my thing is I rise above every day. Every day I'm rising above my circumstances. And so that's my goal every day is like who life can I impact? Who can I help redirect? Who can I help rewrite their story? Who can I carry on my shoulder? And that's to I me, mean, that is the most important thing. When I play the game, I play the game. Now it's the game of life. And I'm just as committed to empowering some young lady, to empower woman. I'm just as committed to doing that than I when I play the game. You definitely have empowered a lot of women, uh, both locally and nationally. It's uh, Your story is fantastic. Your passion is there. Uh, your positivity is fantastic as well, too. So, Ruthie, appreciate the time. And uh, hopefully I get a chance to, we get a chance to meet up uh, before you, uh, you head, head over to Tokyo. So appreciate yeah, the time as see, always. I want to sing you this, uh, I want to sing you this, uh, this song and you could, you could maybe play it if you want, whenever it's a dream big song. Absolutely. I'm going to send it to you anyway. Do it. And it's a song about not only the dream, it's a song like, uh, it's a dream big. If you want it, you can do it. Dream big. Pour your heart into it. If it were dreaming about, you might as well. If it were dreaming about, you might as well. Dream big. And the girl, yeah, you might as well dream big. The girl can sing too. She can blow. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Hey, which number you want me to send this to? One is 8787? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. You, you got my number. So, anyway, we'll we'll, we'll talk again. And uh, But definitely, yeah, send, send, send it on over. You okay, got, I will. You Thank got, you. You got it, girl. All right, great talking to you again. Okay. She is, Ruthie, okay. She is Ruthie Bolton, two-time Olympic gold medalist, former Sacramento monarch, and she does so much in the Sacramento community. And uh, she's empowering women just to... Uh, a fantastic story. And yeah, tremendous, tremendous, and it's she's a pioneer. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and that you know that 1996 team is widely credited with leading the formation of WNBA, and here we are, 25 years of WNBA, and is thriving, and dare I say, doing better than ever. There you go, and that's the seed had to start somewhere. Ruthie Bolton. All right, when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about the latest with Team USA. And uh, Heidi Fang's going to join us uh, as well, too. Uh, get a little UFC update. Sam Gordon in the house. Ballpark Frank. T.C. Martin here. Live at the STN Mobile Sports App Studios on this Friday. Fakes the handoff. He drives the lane. He takes it to the house. Bouncing off defenders. He just laid it in. He just put it up and in. 56 seconds to play. Oh, by the way. It's time. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Game 7 is over. It's an instant classic. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A three for the game. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. You've got to pinch me. The doctor is now in. Hour number two, glad to have you here on this Friday. It is a hoops festive weekend. Team USA in action. One more exhibition game coming up Sunday for Team USA, the men against Spain. They had a game scheduled for tonight, but that game canceled. That's right. 
because of the COVID situations and player defections, and we're going to get all into that right now. Sam Gordon in the house joining us here. We are live at Sunset Station, along with Ballpark Frank, Numchuck back in the studio. I want to thank Ruthie Bolton, the two-time Olympic gold medalist, eight seasons in the WNBA, one of the pioneers of women's basketball, uh, for joining us last hour. Uh, great stuff. Uh, she's got a great story as well, too, and we didn't even get the chance to touch to all the other type of things. I mean, she speaks, she's so inspirational. And, you know, she had a a situation in her life outside of basketball that uh, she had to overcome, uh, you know, with uh, spousal abuse and that sort of thing. So she's just a, a woman who is a, you know, a uh, very empowering woman, very dedicated woman who overcame a lot. Living uh, legends. Yeah, living legend too. Like in I said, every sense was, of the word. And you were there with me on Wednesday when you saw the 1996 team being honored. That was uh, a really uh, special moment. With the flowers coming yeah. from the you know the the current team and yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah, very very special moment and and great game. You know, great game. The WNBA All-Star game was was dare I say the best all-Star game I can remember, you know, intense, high stakes, really good execution on both teams. And that was definitely one of the highlights for me, TC, was seeing the 96 team come out and get their literal flowers. Not yeah. the proverbial ones. Right. Not the metaphorical ones. <laughs> real bouquets. <laughs> While they can still smell them, right? There you go. It is amazing how good a game can be when both teams are actually trying. I know, right? Yeah. And that's what we want to see, right? That's all we want to see. And I think, you know, and Frank and I were talking about this during the course of the week about what's our favorite All-Star game festivities. And... Up until Wednesday night, it's the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Even though we were lacking a lot of stars you know, this year, but at least they're out there trying to play. You don't see pitchers throwing EFIS pitches. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, guys are out there throwing 95, 100 miles an hour, and, and you're, you're attempting to win. I mean, sure, you're going to get players swinging at 3-0 pitches and, and nonsense like that. Kind of irritating me. Chris Bryant comes up, you know, with, you know, bottom of the eighth, and the bases are loaded, and what's he do? He swings at a 3-0 pitch and... And flies out to you know to left field. Harmless, harmless fly ball. <laughs> but uh, you know, but yeah, Major League Baseball is probably sure. It's it's, it's hard to fake effort yeah. and made like you can't really not play hard in baseball, right? Right. Unless yeah. you're throwing ephuses, like you say, and, and they choose not to do that. So yeah, baseball baseball has been the gold standard, but. You know, with the Olympic year, with the way the WNBA executed it by having the national team uh, play the w- team of WNBA All-Stars, it was great. It was a vibrant atmosphere. Like we said, the 96 team was part of it. So I thought they, they covered all the bases and, and really put forth a great event and uh, that, that was in part designed to help get the American national team prepared for Tokyo and still need a little work, right? All right, so let's uh, talk about the women here real quick. So they had a game today yep. against Australia. And uh, before we dive into that, let's talk, speaking of Australia's biggest star, and it's one of the WNBA's biggest stars, and she's a Las Vegas ace. We're mm-hmm. talking about Liz Cambage. Liz Cambage did not play today. Liz Cambage is now not going to the Olympic Games uh, with her country, Australia, something that Liz has relished for a long time being part of this national team. She was very open, even our interview on Wednesday, again, before the game, talking about how much she's looking forward to going to Tokyo. And for her, it's, it's, it is more important than, a, than being in the WNBA, yeah. representing her country. And then so things took a turn just yesterday, two days ago, when they were had a closed-door scrimmage against Nigeria. Apparently she got in, into an argument and an altercation with... Uh, a teammate on Team Australia, so Liz did not get a uh, you know play in in their their game today, 
And it was announced earlier today that Liz Cambage is not going to Tokyo. She cites anxiety issues because she does not want to be part of the bubble atmosphere in Tokyo. That's why she declined to play last year when the WNBA was playing in the wobble in Florida. And uh, she said that she's had a lot of anxiety issues. Other reports came out that uh, there was just some infighting with Team Australia and that uh, a report is that Liz Cambage was out partying after the WNBA All-Star Game with with friends and everybody, and she basically broke quarantine. We saw, Sam, that Liz did not play in the final two Aces games mm-hmm. yeah. because she was basically sequestered because Team Australia, their federation, said, hey, we, we don't want you risking injury. We're here. We need to be locked down. We'll start focusing you know, for the Olympic Games. And even though they said that the decision ultimately was up to Liz, uh, through people that I've talked to, you know, in the WNBA and the Aces, Team US, and you know, uh, they're involved here, said that she got a lot of pressure from the Australian Federation to say, hey, uh, don't play. We need you. And then this happened. So within a 48-hour span, she goes from being the star of Team Australia to not even participating. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And um, tell us what you know, my friend. I've heard similar things, TC, that she was wanted. I know she wanted to play with the Aces the last two games, crucial games, because they're competing in the standings for for home court advantage throughout the course of the playoffs. They want to be the number one seed. Uh, And that she was essentially, right, pressured and told she couldn't participate because of her commitment to Australia. So it hasn't, like you said, she she has proudly represented Australia throughout the course of her career. Very, very impassioned. Um, kind of reflection on Wednesday after the game about what winning a gold medal would be to mean to her and honoring Lauren Jackson, uh, the Australian legend who won an MVP and championships with the Seattle Storm. So it, this is a really, it was a really, really big deal for her and just very unfortunate, uh, very unfortunate situation that it didn't work out. But but it, it feels, you know, from afar and just from what I've gathered that it, you know, has, hasn't always been the, the smoothest relationship between her and, and Australia basketball. And, you know, we, we were all hoping that that was going to come to an end and she's going to be able to show what she can do as a centerpiece of the Australian national team. And uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. And, and she's been very, very open uh, in the past about her, her her struggles with mental health, um, with anxiety and depression. She penned a, a very vulnerable and open letter on the Players' Tribune, TC, as you remember, mm-hmm. um, two years ago, sharing some of the things that she's, she's dealt with and, and shared a, a similar kind of sentiment to her Twitter um, yesterday. So, you know, thoughts, ho- hope, hope she is able to deal with what she's going through and, and can get right because... I hear where she's coming from. Going to Tokyo, there's no fans. It's not the atmosphere that she thought she was going to have or that anybody thought she was going to have. And, and yeah, just a very unfortunate deal um, all the way around because she was primed to – to lead Australia to to, into the medal, you know, into the medal round. And I thought, I mean, shoot, they beat they beat Team USA today. I know it's just an exhibition exhibition game, but with with Liz Cambage and a bunch of WNBA players with her, I thought Australia had a real chance to compete for the gold. And um, I don't I don't know if they. I mean, with I mean, she's on that team. She's twenty five and ten every night. So a big big loss that they're going to experience. And you know, we hope we hope she she's doing okay and can and get through what she's going through. And you know, Sam, you mentioned with the no fans being there as well. She also mentioned no fans, no family. And it seems like living in the bubble over in Tokyo just scares her to death. She said that it, she basically came right out and said that it scares her to death to live in a bubble. She doesn't want to be in that environment. And, uh, you know, she's seen COVID hit her pretty close in that herself. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think everything kind of pointed to uh, once the fans were taken out and the families wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to join them, it seems like it took away a lot of the luster for Liz. And the thing about it is they're, you know, 
there are other stories that are out there. Uh, you saw Andrew Bogut. Her and, and Andrew Bogut really haven't gotten along in yeah, the last few years. You're, right. you're probably aware of that. And uh, so somebody put a tweet out there, and, and Bogut basically you know, agreed with the tweet, basically saying that, hey, it's, it's funny how somebody, you know, we see athletes all the time try to use, you know, uh, mental illness as an excuse when there are other things going on, like, say, you got an altercation with a teammate or you're not playing well, that sort of thing. And Andrew Bogut chimed in and said, hey, amen to that. So, you know, she's feeling kind of ganged up on. Her country has always meant the most to her. And now she feels that she's got teammates and Andrew Bogut, you know, going against her. And, you know, again, a, a lot of it, she's saying the things about, about the bubble, and I get that, but there could be a lot more to that For as sure. well, too. Yeah. And I, and I, knowing her, and we both know her, Sam, that she, you know, she does get rattled by those things. And she is a very sensitive person. People look at her being 6'9", and just, you know, the weight on the world being, you know, probably, you could even argue, maybe Australia's greatest basketball player, female basketball player of all time, that, you know, she has had to deal with a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, and she's gone through a lot of anxiety issues. And I think that, you know, with her to step away, this is, you know, this is eating at her, you know. Yeah, it's a serious uh, thing, for sure. I mean, she has bad – I mean, this is not – it's no secret. She's been very public about how much she wants to win a gold medal in this particular Olympiad, right? Like, it was this one – that she was circling was going to be kind of one of the defining moments of her career for. I mean, she she did an interview a couple of years ago with the New York Times, you know, pretty much detailing that about, you know, this is kind of what she was building towards. And, uh, you know, right on the precipice, you know, a couple of weeks out from from having the opportunity to compete with Australia um, and, and win a gold medal. It's just a very unfortunate situation all the way around. I, I of course, neither one of us was there, T.C., uh, I'm not sure what happened. Nobody can be entirely sure. I was told by somebody who does know what happened um, that she didn't instigate anything. And, you know, this is – people get into things. It's sports, right? You've been around enough where teams teammates argue. Teammates, <laughs> they fight. It happens. I, again, I don't know the severity or, or what exactly happened, but it's, again, just an unfortunate situation all the way around and, and wishing, you know, the best for Liz Cambage as, as she continues to, to, to deal with what she's going through. Yeah, and you know, just to cap that off a little bit too, some of the reports that we're hearing is that I don't want to use the term jealousy, but you know that that could be a factor too. But you know, one of the teammates were saying that you know, hey, you know, Liz is, you know, maybe there's two different rules, sets of rules for the superstar Liz Cambage and other people in Australia. So there's there's some infighting there. There's something, you know, going on where. Um, Again, you know, some people maybe look at her and all the success that she's had uh, internationally and in the WNBA that uh, they're they're taken aback by that. And I don't know if she's getting preferential treatment or not, but I know that she did pass up the last two games and the WNBA All Star game to stay with her her team. She takes extremely extremely seriously. Yeah, extremely serious. I mean, again, she, this it's no secret. She's wanted to win this gold medal, and um, now Australia's going to be left to, to try and do that without her. All right, let's talk uh, about the well, the women. They they lose today. Yeah, 0-2. Uh, they're 0-2, and yeah. this is a team that we didn't expect to lose at all. And, again, when we talk to Ruthie Bolton, the 1996, the 2000—I mean, the, the women's team have been very, very consistent. And you can even make the argument, you know, over time, over all these years, past couple decades, they've probably been more successful than the men, kind of like the women's soccer team over the men's soccer team. And this team is not missing any stars. Team USA women, they have everybody. Everybody. And— 
again, probably the bi- the best team that they were going to face in the Olympics was the team they faced Wednesday night. Yeah, it, yeah, it's right? true, the WNBA, 100%. because these are 12 great women, all superstar women on that other team, and some of them got shunned including Enrico Gumbawale, who felt like, hey, I should be on this Team USA. I mean, you know, yeah. Like, to Ruthie's point, TC, the the depth of the talent in WNBA, like, yeah, the the team, uh, the WNBA All-Stars, you know, they're not playing nationally, but they're all good enough. Like, it's they're right there, uh, the American-born players anyways. And then John Quell Jones is as good as anybody in, I mean, she's a top-end player. She might be the WNBA NBA MVP right now. But uh, going back to, to the losses, TC, while we'll get to the men in a second, I think there are legitimate concerns with the men. Not that I expect them not to, not to win because I still think that is the expectation. It's a reasonable one. But I think it's one of these things where you kind of take a look at some of the minutes – Right, Dawn Staley, you know, she's not playing her top group 30, 32, 33 minutes. She's getting a feel for of, of, for what everybody can do. And look, still, don't get me wrong. Diane Tarazzi didn't even play the other night. Right, and, and yeah. she didn't play, yeah, she didn't play tonight either. And listen, you don't want to lose these games. They, they still should have won the game, but I am not nearly as concerned for that for the reason that you that, that, that you say, TC. They have all the stars, right? You have Rihanna Stewart, you have Asia Wilson, you have Sue Bird, you have Diana Taurasi, you got Chelsea Gray, you got Brittany Griner, Sylvia Fowler. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You have all the best players on the team, right? Or a majority of the best players on the team. As where, if you take a look at it, on the men's side, you don't. You don't, and that, and that doesn't mean they're not great. That doesn't mean they're not loaded com- compared to the rest of the world. But it's not as good of a roster as they could have, given the American-born players on the men's side. Whereas I think the USA women are so good; they're so deep at every position. They're going to figure it out. They've practiced. They just started practicing this week. Other teams have had a, a little bit more time, uh, especially with the players that aren't in the WNBA uh, on those other teams. It's going to take some time, but nonetheless, it, 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 like like Ruthie was saying, it's a wake-up call. Other teams are really good. Like the WNBA is a global league. The NBA is a global league. There are other players from around the world who are really, 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 really good. And even the players that aren't in the top, you know, American leagues. They're right there. I mean, other leagues, I mean, international basketball is so, 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 so good now. It is true. You can't just show up. The U.S. tried to show up in 2019, the men in the World Cup, and we saw what happened. Right. Seventh place. There it is. It's so, a, it's right in front of us. The last international competition was a bomb. Yeah. And, and, and to my point exactly, you want to talk about the roster, we have the best women that we could possibly assemble. And last week... When USA lost those first two exhibition games here in Vegas, people were talking about hitting the panic button and everything, okay? Are people going to say hit the panic button with women? And I say no. Right. No, because it's just getting acclimated to each other. They're going to be fine because they've assembled the best roster. On the men's side, panic button, absolutely. But more, even panic button is like, you deserve this because this is the worst roster the USA has ever assembled. I'll say it. Yeah, for the, the Olympics. Worst yeah. roster for international competition for the Olympics. Yeah, for the Olympics that they've ever assembled. Well, just and and now you look at it and it's getting thinner and thinner. I mean, look at this roster, Sam. Bam Adebayo, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Jeremy Grant, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Zach Levine, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum. There's at least five of these guys. That should have no business being on this team. Kevin Love was on this team. He played sparingly in two of the three games here. He scored one point, and now we get word today, well, Kevin Love's not going to Tokyo because, uh, you know what, I'm not back for my injury. Well, you hardly played at all this year. Why are you even on the team? And Popovich said, well, we need his leadership, and he's got a gold medal, this and that. 
He offers absolutely nothing, and now you waste all this time when you could have had somebody else in camp, and you say goodbye to him. Then you have the COVID situation with Bradley Beal. Yeah, so he's now gone. So now sure. what do you do? you got to reach out, and you got to fill a couple roster spots. You bring in JaVale McGee from Denver, the former Warrior, former Laker, and, and Keldon Johnson. And people are going to go, who is Keldon Johnson? Well, he was on the select team, and, and Greg Popovich knows him because he plays for him in San Antonio. But this is a horrendous roster well, when you're talking about representing uh, the, the best our country has to offer. Well, just, I mean, JaVel McGee struggled to find the court for the Denver Nuggets, TC. Yeah. Like, he played 10 minutes a game with Denver. And Never been a starter, really, Kel- for the most part. Keldon Johnson, nice, nice young player in the NBA, but... Look at the 2016 Olympic roster. Look at 2012. Uh, LeBron and Kobe and KD and Chris Paul and Melo and like that's our standard, right? It's just it's changed. And of course, listen, some of the you get it right. Some of the top guys are going to say no. The season was really condensed. You know, Steph Curry, understandable. He was dealing with some injuries. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard has the knee issue. Anthony Davis had the groin injury in the playoffs. There are going to be guys that just aren't going to do it for age or health reasons, and, and we understand that. But what about Trey Young? What about Trey Young, where was where was his phone call? You, the, the, this roster doesn't have a real table setter. Everybody wants they got guys that can pass, but everybody wants to get their shot off. What is Trey Young really good at? Facilitating. Imagine if he had great players to play next to, 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 to distribute the ball to, so he doesn't have to take twenty five shots the way he does in Atlanta. This team would be perfect for him. How about Julius Randle? Is he an A-lister in the NBA? Not necessarily, but he just made second-team All-NBA, TC. Right. He just made second-team All-NBA. He averaged 25-10. and 10. He was the most improved player, was a, reportedly right on the cusp of, of making the team, it was one of the final cuts. Where's his phone call? You don't think they can use his muscle on the glass uh, and his ability to bang down low and rebound? This is an undersized team. There, there's not a, One of my chief concerns, There's like I've touched on, there's not a real – true kind of throwback point guard that wants to get everybody going. It's a bunch of guys that can pass but prefer to score. There's not a lot of size, and we're a week into this thing now, a week and a half. They've played three exhibition games. They haven't looked super cohesive. Again, they are they still most talented team? Yes. You have Kevin Durant. You have Damian Lillard. Like, they should still get it done, but it's not going to be easy. They're not just going to roll like they did in 92 or 2008 or 2000. It's not, that's not happening. No point guard, no low post presence. No big. That you have to have that. You have to. You have to. And they and they don't. And they don't. Julius Randle gives you one of those. Yeah. Why? Where, why didn't? Where's Zion Williamson at? <laughs> where's Zion? Kevin Love. Where's Jimmy Butler? Come on. You got Kevin Love. <laughs> We don't. We don't need Zion. Gee, no. We got Kevin Love. Yeah. We got Javale McGee. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, the other thing about it too is Team USA doesn't have that intimidation factor anymore. No. You know, it's not like the original Dream Team, which I guess if you could say there was a Kevin Love on that team, it would have been Christian Leitner, but because he was on the team instead of Shaquille O'Neal as the one college representative, which a lot of people scoffed at at the time and probably rightly so. But but no, when when it comes to this team, I mean, and and you were talking about the women's team before. The women go out there and expect to win. Other teams hope to give them a good game. Maybe they think they can beat them, but we've talked about it. In women's basketball, women stars have come from other places, but not necessarily a whole country or something like that. So basketball hasn't caught up as much as the women's game around the world as the men's. When these other teams go out against this team in Team USA, they're going to think not only can we hang with these these guys, we can beat them. We're not going to be taking selfies after the game and smiling and saying, hey, they just blew us off by 60 or something. It's a whole different mindset out there. The other world's caught up, and every single time when Team USA, and I don't care if it's the men or the women, when they hit the court, they get every other team's best effort. 
Yeah, 100% you know, correct. But it all starts with your roster composition. Well, and again, this isn't a situation where, you know, right now because Bradley Beal's gone and Kevin Love's gone. Again, it goes back to when you constructed this roster months ago. Yeah, and you take a kind of – I mean, let's, let's, let's flash back real quick, TC. Yeah. USA falls flat on his face in 2004, finishes third, and that kind of was a soft reboot of what USA basketball was. And for years – they spent time, they really invested in kind of building a cohesive program and there was players in the pipeline that were going to you know, start out maybe on the select team or playing in the World Cup, but they would go on and play in the Olympics. And it was very, very cohesive, a lot, very, very developmental, and the result was gold medals three years in a row, right? Or three Olympics in a row, 2008, 2012, 2016. Then you have the transition from Coach, Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski to Greg Popovich, and the program, there's just kind of the, 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 the dynamic of the program feels like it's completely shifted. I mean, look at the 2019 World Cup roster. I mean, you had mostly NBA role guys. You had Donovan yeah. Mitchell, right. you know, a couple young stars, but you didn't have any real heavy hitters on that roster, or you didn't really have any young players you were necessarily trying to groom to play here in the 2020 Olympics. It, it's a, this team and that team are totally different. It feels like this one was thrown together at the last minute, like, oh, let's get KD and Dame and all these guys. We'll roll the ball out there and we'll figure it out. It's, like, it's not like that anymore. Like the, the the previous gold medal teams, yeah, of course there's more talent to draw from. It may, might not have been as year round or as cohesive as a Spain or as an Australia or as a France, but it was still a little bit more cohesive than than this camp and this particular group. So, um, I I think they're the best. They're still the most talented team. They should get it done, but. I don't know, Sam. If they are the most talented team, I mean, you, when I look at this roster, it does. There's no, there's no NBA All Stars. I mean, of course, there's Kevin Durant yeah, and, Dame. and Damian Lillard. Okay, yeah, I, I get that. Okay, but when we go to down the rest of these guys, no. I mean, Draymond Green. Much we like Draymond Green. That yeah, Olympian. You know, four eight years ago. Yes, well, two thousand. I mean, there's a big difference right? between 2016 Draymond Green yeah. and 2021 Draymond Green yeah. for sure, for yeah. sure. But yeah. and and he's your low post presence. I, he he wants nothing to do with the low post. <laughs> they they there are fundamental flaws in this roster. They don't have a true big, and they don't have a table setting point guard. And there were players out there, even with some of the no's. And I imagine USA basketball has been getting a lot of no's. Oh yeah, Trey Trey Young's wanted to be on the team. Like he vocalized that. Like. You don't think Julius Randle wanted to be on the team? All NBA again, all NBA second team. He's not Hakeem Olajuwon. He's not Shaq, but he was an All NBA second team player. And what they just brought in was a nice starter, a nice young starter on a team in the San Antonio Spurs that missed the playoffs, and a backup, you know, third big Javale McGee that plays 10, 12 minutes a game for his NBA team. Like these are, I don't expect those guys to. I mean, your the depth isn't there. You, I mean, in 2012, you had Anthony Davis was coming off. He of, was the best college player, and, and he was a 12th man. He didn't even touch the floor. But it, look, look, he's Anthony Davis. Like, why didn't they tap the college route? Where's Kate Cunningham at? Where's Evan Mobley? As we have seen in in NBA, and I'll even go to college basketball, and specifically internationally here. Just because you have a team of superstars doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. It is the cohesiveness. It is the team aspect of basketball. We see it all the time in college basketball and internationally. It's the same thing. It is because a lot of these guys have been playing together since they were teenagers. 
You know, you look at the teams like Spain, like you mentioned, and Australia, uh, Croatia, Serbia. I mean, th- these guys have been together. France, you mentioned them. I mean, people just they, they just throw that away. No, there are NBA guys on every one of these rosters. Yeah. And the Rudy Gobert's of the world and the Patty Mills, they are ecstatic to be part of their country's team. And they've been playing with the same group over and over again. So, yep. yes, they're going to get the best shot against the USA. Yes, that is. That is 100% true, but nothing wins in basketball better than cohesiveness, yeah, and, teamwork. And, you don't have to be superstars. If you got good talent or very good talent and you play well together, I mean, th- we would see that all the time. We'd say, well, you know, hey, going way back, Yugoslavia. I mean, how'd those guys, you know, uh, beat USA or compete with USA? You know, going back to the Vladi Divots and those guys, like, wow. They play so well together. The ball movement. Oh, the European game. Wow, it's a, it's making strides. The German teams with Dirk Nowitzki back in the day. I mean, it, that's why. The cohesiveness. And it's not to say that the Americans can't achieve that, but they're running out of time. I mean, this this training camp, what they've got out of it, what we've seen on it, it's been, I mean, it, it, it's been a debacle, TC. They've lost twice in but one But why? Week. Like you said, they're throwing the, this together because you don't have the same group playing right. Olympiad after Olympiad or World Championship after World Championship. You don't, you don't have that right. every team. And you bring up a great point that I haven't heard anybody bring up. The 2019, seventh place? Yeah. Think about that. That's just, that's our last major international competition. Yep. And, and that's what... When you're going back and you want to review tape and that sort of thing, you're looking at that team flat on his face, TC, and and for his greatest terrible coach, for his greatest coach K was, and he was tremendous. I think they only lost one game throughout his run, including the ex- exhibition games. I want to say Greg Popovich's record after that win on against Argentina, a sorely needed win, by the way. I think they're ten and five in a couple. Under this Greg is Popovich. Team USA. It's we're team talking U- about Team USA. This is Team USA. This is I mean, beat the yeah, brakes off of everybody. Um, it, it just goes to show you that, you know, again, credit other countries that they, they deserve credit. The rest of the world has improved. And Greg Popovich has not hesitated to point that out. They haven't. And that is facts. But USA basketball, the no one wants to hear that, the, though. No one wants the, to hear the world's getting better. Bottom line is, of course, it's competition. And this is. You know, if you want to go back to the roots and where the game was founded, and you look at our past success, the bottom line is if you send your best players and your best players put their hand up and say, I want to play, and they all have Ruthie Bolton's attitude, then there's no question. There's no complaining. Well, we're not going to complain if, if the USA women lose because they're sending their best. Well, what does it say on the men's side that the best don't want to be a part of it? Exactly. It's selfishness is what it is. And it's like, okay, you know, I'd, I'd rather go on vacation. I'd rather go lay on a beach. I'd rather rest up. And the guys that have legitimate injuries, Kawhi Leonard, okay, I get that. Okay, I get that. But like I said, Steph Curry and even Donovan Mitchell, I know he was banged up, you know, towards the end as well too. But there are guys, and you mentioned, you know, Trey Young and other people like that, they should be on this team. Yeah, they should be. They, and, it, it, and they should have been on this team, you know, going back months ago, year ago, years ago. And uh, so you can keep this group together. And that was what Jerry Colangelo's whole mission was. He goes, I want stability. You've got the the farthest thing from stability right, right in now. In 2021, yeah, absolutely. They're, 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 this is not a stable group. They might figure it out on the fly. I mean, they should. You have KD. You have Dame. Like, you, you got sh- too much optimism. You should. Fig- <laughs> you don't think they're bringing home the gold? No, there's no guarantee. I don't think it's a guarantee. No. But and every game is going to – well, not every game, but – most of these games are going to be tight. They're going to be very tight. We're going to say, "Wow!" and and they're going to lose just in the in the public uh, 
you know, uh, opinion by polls. Not, by not blowing everybody exactly. out. Exactly. I don't think they're going to blow everybody out. I, th- I do think they'll have their fair share. Th- they'll, they'll, they'll blow a couple teams out. They'll blow a couple teams out. I, I don't think the gold medal is a certainty, but no. I, they still have. Sam, you just said seventh place. You're facing the same teams that you've faced in the World Championships two years ago. I know, but that, that team had well, go right. take a look at that 2019 roster. Right? Jeez. Is it was, compa- isn't it comparable with this? This one's better. You have At least you have KD and Dave. That's true. And, and, yeah. and that's – I don't want to say this. Okay. Knock on wood. What if KD gets hurt? Because we've you know seen it before. Well, if he gets hurt, now the narrative is completely changed. The, because you have no backups. You have no, no depth whatsoever. You don't have any depth to begin with. And you're putting so much on KD. There is a lot on his plate. Feel? And we, we talk about Liz Cambage and her fragile mentality. How's KD's mentality right now, knowing that, hey, man, I, I'm not sure I want to be part of this team? I guess we're going to find out. Right? Yeah. I mean, well, can't I you see that? We're going to find out. Go ahead, I mean, this, is, this isn't what he wanted. And, and let's be totally honest about it. You're talking about the team from 2019 and how that team didn't look like a USA All-Star team. That's one of the differences. Sometimes players wouldn't go unless it was an Olympics because the Olympics meant everything, the Pan American Games, World Championships, like that. They didn't mean as much. But now you have people bowing out of the Olympics, and I think that's the different mindset that you have to wonder what's going on in this Olympics, what's going on in the future going forward in that. you know, There's some guys that feel that, if, you know, like LeBron and other ones like that, and I'll use him because he's the biggest name out there. You know, I, I've been on a couple teams. I don't have to be on every one of them. I've already represented. It's time for somebody else. So, you know, there, there, there's a lot of different things. You don't know exactly what's going on. But the difference to me is the mentality of, yeah, we've seen guys before bow out of some of the other competitions. But if they're going to start bowing out of the Olympics, they got to come up with a new game plan. Yeah. Well, there there were good players that were willing to play in the Olympics. Like Trey Young, yes, wanted to play in the Olympics, and you saw what he did in the playoffs. TC. They're saying they're saying Isaiah Thomas mentality here or treatment. You've heard this. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're saying like, hey, you know, maybe guys didn't want to play with Trey Young or you know Trey Young's antics that we saw in the playoffs. Maybe that had something to do with uh, you know him. You know, not not being on this team. I, I don't I don't know. Or again, you make these decisions prior. To uh, you know, a, a month or so ago, right? Well, so why? Yeah. Well, what? take a look at that, like you look at that 2019 roster. Like you had a lot of kind of role player vets on. You didn't have a, you had Donovan Mitchell and a couple other young players, but there weren't. Donovan I, Mitchell was your superstar. Yeah, he was your superstar. <laughs> like, where are the other young guys you're developing yeah. to prepare for 2020 for the 2020 games? Like, yeah. it just it doesn't feel like it was cohesively put together, cohesively structured. And when you watch them play TC, especially in the first two exhibition games, we'll see how they look Sunday against Spain. Maybe they shock us and the ball's whizzing around. I don't know. But you watch the first two games. You watch the loss to Nigeria. You watch the, Austra- the loss to Australia. It's your turn, my turn, one-on-one. We don't. We're not communicating on defense. We don't know where the shots coming from. Here, let me let me stand here. Let me let oh, me. Wait just... a minute. You're describing a, an NBA regular season game, all right? Or a preseason game? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, these are technically their exhibition games, but you don't have a lot of time together, and you want yeah. to make the most out of them, and that hasn't been happening. You got it. All right. Great conversation. Great stuff. Uh, let's leave with this here, Sam. Uh, the NBA. Uh, we got some breaking news here. NBA news. The NBA and the NBA Players Association have agreed, are you ready for this one, to extend the play-in tourney next season. Thumbs up or thumbs down for the play-in tournament again. I got, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to zag here. I'm I'm going thumbs down. I know that I know this was popular with a lot of fans, but 
The playing tournament cost Steph Curry, Russ from watching Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors play more basketball. Thank you. And the Golden State worked their way to the eight seed. They earned the eight seed, and it was taken away from them because of a mini game, more yeah. or less. And, and tell me how this is a good thing again. I I don't know. I mean, yeah, is it not a nice ratings jump? Maybe on two nights of the year, sure. But how about those games that Steph would have played in? I think the ratings would have been better. For those four or five or six games, because however long that series would have gone, uh, then then if not having him, so I am against this, and I understand why some people like it, and I don't personally. And why do you have ratings jumps for teams seven through ten seeds? Yeah. Uh, there's no ratings jump. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. Are you kidding me? It just so happened. You're not seeing superstars. Yeah, so happened that this LeBron year, James, and, yeah, and because Steph of Curry. some injuries. But, but most years, you're not having that. Yeah. You're not having that. You're, it's going to be teams that have no shot to win the title. They're going to. You're playing to get the brakes beat off you by the one or the two seed. And I think the teams that have the better records deserve to make the playoffs. Just make the playoffs like they were the previous 75 years. And, and again, why do we have all these changes? I mean, this, this format has been great for such a long time. And we even saw it. Go back to the Kembe Matumbo Denver Nuggets when the eight seed knocked off a one seed, right? Yeah. That great stuff. And again, you know, why, why do we need to? To make these changes, it makes no sense. Give more opportunity to the bottom feeder teams. Give them a second and a third and a fourth opportunity. Don't get it. My man, I appreciate you coming by today, man. Anytime, TC. Great, great, great stuff. Thanks for having me. Great it's, conversation. It's good to have basketball in town. It's great to have any sports in town yeah. as long as you're here, and I look forward to the next time we can do this. You got it. Big three coming up this weekend too, huh? Great time. Great yeah. time. If you haven't been out, whoever's listening, if you haven't been out to the big three, it is a family-oriented, really fun uh, fun atmosphere. I was able to check it out. Uh, I had a credential. was able to pop in there and check it out last Saturday. It's a really cool event and, and just a lot, a very fun atmosphere, to, a chance to enjoy some hoops, a chance to enjoy a little bit of hip-hop, yeah. and uh, just have a fun week. So I, I I encourage anybody who's interested to check it out. It's a lot of fun. Sam's got great coverage in the Las Vegas Review Journal. Great follow on Twitter to it by Sam Gordon. He's got a great um, story in there today uh, about uh, a group, a local group here that's uh, been uh, put together a nice little business of putting you know uh, you know highlight tapes and mm-hmm. mixtapes together. And that's a, it was a great story, man. Thanks for checking that out. Yes, yeah, yeah. the Ball Dogs uh, the really ball, yeah. build, building the brand here, building a powerful brand. Uh, promoting basketball at all levels. So it's really cool to see something like that come out of Las Vegas and, and spread mm-hmm. across the country like wildfire. They're doing an And awesome these guys job. are making a nice little living doing this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, this is a this is a it's full time. Yeah. It's full time for 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 a handful of them, and uh, really um, doing great work. And I was I was very fortunate that I had a chance to tell that story. So. Thanks for reading that, TC. I appreciate you checking it out. I'm, I'm always checking it out, man. You know that, that? man. Thank you. I, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> always, man. Always. All right. So uh, Sam Gordon in the house. Appreciate him. And uh, Heidi Fang is going to join us next. So uh, Las Vegas Review Journal represented here on the show today, as, as always. Ballpark Frank, TC Martin, live from the STN Mobile Sports App Studio. Back with more on this fabulous Friday. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, TC Martin. One, two, three, four. Oh, yeah, we're getting up. We're getting up this weekend. Friday, T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank with you. I want to thank Sam Gordon for joining us, Ruthie Bolton. We're live from the STN Mobile Sports App Studios here. And uh, I know someone who's getting up right now. She She's shaking her thing. Heidi Fang, Las Vegas Review Journal. Raiders, MMA, everything else, and uh, she's on location again, shaking her thing. What's up, Heidi Fang? <laughs> I'm at the Apple Store trying to be cool here while I'm on the show, TC. But thanks for having me. <laughs> Heidi Fang shaking her thing at the Apple Store. 
Bang, whatever. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah. No, I got up to James Brown in here. I did. And the poor Apple tech is looking at me like I'm insane. But yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> definitely having a good time. I made him laugh with that. There you go. As, as you should. You know, I I'm, I lived your uh, your nightmare just a couple of days ago when I had to be in there for about two, two and a half hours. So I feel your pain, girl. Feel it. <laughs> yeah, at least you know, there are prompts. The service is good. You know, I came right in. I'm being helped right away. He's diagnosticing things right now. So <laughs> I know that's not the word, but it sounded better. Wow, you, you, you and Frank are going through diagnostics today. <laughs> different different yeah, my realms, though. Frank. My poor man Frank out there. Frank, I hope you're hanging out, holding on, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll trade you diagnosticing uh, locations if you'd like to. So. Uh, <laughs> I don't envy what you're going through, brother. Oh, jeez. All right, uh, Heidi, so let's uh, let's get your thoughts we talked to you earlier in the week, uh, the actual results of UFC 264. And, uh, you know, now we're actually seeing what we usually see after a Conor McGregor fight, especially after a Conor McGregor loss. And that's McGregor making excuses again. We had played video the last couple of days, uh, one after his surgery, and then another one yesterday. It looked like he was on, I don't know, some scooter or something like that, just basically telling everyone he's going to be back. And he was saying, hey, uh, I had this excuse. I, I, had, uh, I had this injury. You could talk to the UFC doctor, Jeff Davidson, and he'll tell you that I was injured before the fight. Well, my question is, then, then why, are you, why are you fighting? And, uh, and I did talk to someone at the Nevada State Athletic Commission yesterday. And, of course, you know, they go through the proper procedures. Doctors check out all the fighters, especially in these major fights, to make sure that uh, a combatant is healthy. And, uh, you know, again, they cannot comment, you know, officially or on the record, you know, for that sort of thing. But we know that every uh, fighter, whether they're a boxer or a mixed martial art, uh, you know, fighter, they have to go through this testing to see if they are fit to perform. So when you hear the story about Conor McGregor, give, give us your thoughts and any of the latest information that you got. Well, I, it's hard because, like you said, with the setup there, the NAC should know. The NAC should know what's going on, and they shouldn't sanction a fight if a fighter has revealed or if there are tests proving that he has stress fractures. Obviously, I, you know, I'm not a doctor, but stress fractures are not good, and you should not be going into a fight with them, especially a main event of what is equivalent to the UFC's uh, Super Bowl in July. So when you have Conor McGregor talking about how much you know, that he had this going in, you have to wonder and start questioning, like, okay, did Dana know? And then it all starts to spiral down. Did his coaches know? You know, how, how far down the rabbit hole does it go? And ultimately, there has to be some sort of better process of vetting all this information than just to hear it after the fact. You know, of course he's going to go into the fight, though, to that point. Of course he's going to go into the fight because he's making millions of dollars to fight Dustin Poirier. Like, if I'm told... Okay, you're going to get paid $20 million, but uh, you're going to have to go through this fight with that little stress fracture. You, are you game? My answer is absolutely yes. I'll fight. I'll fight one-legged. I'll fight with my arm behind my back. Go ahead. Put me in there, coach. I'm ready. 
Heidi Fang, a.k.a. the Black Knight from the uh, Monty Python movie there. So, But, uh, you know, Heidi, I'm not a doctor either, but TC plays one on the radio. So, But, you know, when I saw that and I saw him doing his, his spiel on what was going on and, you know, everything and saying, oh, Dana knew about it and the commission knew about it and everybody knew about it. And then he said, and I didn't even take off any days. I was, when I was just laying on my back and I couldn't kick, I was still practicing, but, and, and then I was wrapping my, my ankles, but I was still doing the kicks and everything. It's like, well, if you know you have stress fractures, what are you kicking and what are guys checking your kicks for in practice? Yeah, and here's the other thing, though. I mean, he puts out all kinds of videos, and Connor has these things, where, you know, like blogs where you follow, he's followed all throughout his whole training camp, and I'm sure they're going to be putting that out. He said that there's a Netflix series coming, you know, with another part that's going to show that. So I think that when you start thinking about all of those parts and and the fact that we're going to see really behind the scenes, we should know by that footage. You know, if I'm Connor, I'm putting that footage out there, and I think it's important that we look at it and think about what happens in the process of a fight getting approved. And not just for that, but like when you're talking about all the other things that happen, like he's a, you know, kicking during the the press conference and stuff like that. But um, of course that's for show. He's got to try to sell the tickets, but uh, leading up to it, usually the UFC will have like an open workout kind of thing. A lot of things have changed due to the COVID policies and that kind of, you know, nature, but we're used to seeing a lot of training videos for Connor. And while we saw a lot of other, types of um, videos from him. I don't remember seeing, like, heavy, hardcore, this is me scrambling on the mats, or this is me getting ready for Dustin's grappling kind of stuff. I didn't see much of that as we got the lead-up to the fight. Now, maybe I'm just not looking in the right place because I'm not heavy on Instagram, but <laughs> to me, it seems like a little less on the, the social output for Connor than normal. Heidi Fang uh, joins us, Las Vegas Review Journal, and talking to uh, Connor McGregor, his latest injuries, and she is live at the Apple Store. Uh, should we should we get the Apple guy on? I mean, uh, should we ask him a question, Heidi? What, what's going on here? I, I want to I know how this service is for you over there. Yeah, the service is great. He's being a real trooper. He's actually putting notes for me here for the work authorization, and it says that the, the parts are going to take like all the repairs about six days, so I'll just answer now while we're on the air and say, like, if they have the stuff in stock here, because it says that they have in stock and we could get it done sooner. Yeah, let's get it done sooner. You Mama, t- this is Mama's machine right here. Mama needs to work. Mama needs to work. You, you tell him that. Mama needs to work. You, he's got to give you yeah. some sort of a discount okay. right now because he's getting live. This is like a live remote we're doing from his yeah. store. So you tell yeah. him. He's I think they're going to give me an iPad on the way out. There you go. It up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so Dana, Dana White is saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to do this fourth fight with Dustin Poirier. Kai, Heidi, I don't want to see a, a fourth fight. I don't think anybody wants to see a fourth fight. I'm not even sure I want to see Conor McGregor in again ag- against a competitor I, because we know what the result is going to be. And when when can we stop the nonsense with Conor McGregor? Because the only argument they have is, well, he still draws people. Well, how's he going to continue to draw people when he's he he he's, hasn't been really competitive and the guy continues to just you know, make excuses after he loses, and his act is, is wearing thin like we've talked about before. Yeah, he was crazy that I saw on Twitter today, and I thought about it. What if Connor pulls it off and wins the fourth fight, and then what do you do? Do you set up the quintology 
is there going to be a, the first quintology in UFC history? <laughs> I mean, what do you do? It's, you know, I, I'm just thinking, like, how do they go about that process? How do they figure it out? You know, so that's something that I, I think is intriguing. That could be a sell point. But overall, like, I think most of the fight fans who are hardcore fight fans, I don't have any interest in seeing the fourth fight. I think uh, if they want to see another fight with Dustin, the Nate Diaz fight has popped up. That's raised some eyebrows. Um, Dustin can also go fight Charles Oliveira for the belt. He has the world at his hands right now with what he has as options. And I think it's ultimately up to Dustin. He said at the end of the fight, but of course emotions are always high after a fight like that. He said after the fight that he would fight Connor anywhere, sidewalk, you know, back lot of the Apple store or in a cage. So I think overall, when you start thinking about his perspective, Dustin wants to settle it. And he's smart because if he, look, if he is at the end of his contract or nearing the end and it's time to rethink that contract for Dustin's end, then if you can have what you have over Conor McGregor and go into another contract negotiation off of these wins from those fights, I think that's huge for him payday-wise. So those are the only reasons I can think of that would be uh, in any way a, a good fight for Dustin to have next. But I really want to see Dustin move on at this point because he's at the peak of his career. And I think this is so much more that we have yet to see from him as a martial artist. And he's just dedicated his life to this game. So when I think about what Dustin Poirier has done to get where he is, I really want to see him get paid. And I really want to see him continue to, you know, have these fights that are high profile. And for Dustin, it makes sense, too, to take that fight if it's offered to him because he's going to get a nice payday again, and he's going to get a payday in a, in a fight that he probably feels right now that he can't lose. Right, yeah. So, you know, I mean, the only thing I don't like, I think maybe Nate Diaz made a typo because he said meet me at 185 for their fight. You know, but when you start thinking about options for Dustin, and that's one, I don't want to see him fight at middleweight. He used to fight a featherweight, you know, for crying. I don't think fighting at 185 and he'd literally be cutting no weight and trying to build some mass, in which case that might make him slower. And I, I don't want to see that. I want to see Dustin, if they're going to do a catch weight, like 160, 165. I think Nate made a typo there anyway, because 185 would be pretty big for Nate also. He you know fights at 170, 155. So, uh, yeah, but I, I think we, we, you know overall with the Connor fight, um, uh, having that fourth one, it just – Aside from settling the whole beef, if Dustin takes the, the fight again and, and it's three and one, then it, it'll just be settled and we could all move on. Okay, but, but let, uh, let me say this: I, I just for if if I'm Poirier and I'd love to hear him. I wish you know I'd love to hear his answers. Like, what is the the, the purpose? I know you guys are saying money, but he's gonna he's gonna make money no matter what because you know he's the guy now. He's the guy in his division. So treat him like treat him like the champion, and then fight the guys that that are that are right underneath you, the top contenders, number one guy in your division. You don't need to fight McGregor because you know what comes with McGregor: the shenanigans, the nonsense, and all the aggravation that he has to go through. You know, having to co-promote with him and have McGregor threaten him, and then not show up on time, and all this other kind of stuff. He's done that already. He's dominated McGregor in the last two fights. So if I'm I'm saying no need to ever visit Conor McGregor again, just like Khabib did. Khabib said, you're done. See you later. Don't want to deal with you ever again. <laughs> That's a good point. That's true. Right. You know, Khabib never, never ran it back. He's like, nope, not going to happen. No need it to. Happen. It's over. He's beneath. Right. Conor McGregor's beneath <laughs> Dustin Poirier. Yeah, yeah, I think so. 
And I think that, you know, Dustin's come a really long way. We've seen, like I, I've said before on the show, the evolution of his game and how slick he's become and how he went about doing that with American Top Team to where he is today. So I think it's time for him, like, you know, I, I, I would, I don't know. A lot of people want to see him fight for the title, but you, know, you I just, I don't know if I want that fight yet, but I think it's a fight that makes sense. But there's a lot of other fights, I think, that can shake out for Dustin, and he can choose. And, right. you know, if Nate's calling him out, that's a really big fight as well. So it depends for him if he wants the big draw fight or if he wants to pick that title fight. But ultimately, I think at this point, he has all the decisions at his fingertips. All right. Heidi Fang. Uh, we'll let you get going, Heidi. And you got to get ready for Raiders training camp right around the corner. Hopefully you got, like, oh, a, yeah. a big sombrero hat to wear outside, you know, so you don't get burned and all that kind of stuff. I know they'll be doing some some stuff inside, but it's, it's training camp around the corner, girl. Yeah, they're rolling it out. It'd be Wednesday, the last week in July. I believe it's the 27th. And then uh, on that day, we'll be out there early. It's a 7.30 call time. So, you know, if you want to talk about it later in the afternoon that day, hit me up. You got it, girl. All right, we appreciate it. An AT&T guy, take care of Heidi Fang right now. Give her a couple iPads. <laughs> the Apple guy, the Apple guy. Apple guy, whatever it is. Yeah. Gee, what do I know? It's not whatever if you're doing a remote from there, dude. It's, it's, it's the Apple guy. I'm not there. Yeah, right? so I know. Exactly. Yeah, hey, Apple guy's got a lot of love today. So he did, he did. He's a good guy. He's right. coming back right now, right, right on time. Well, thank you for the time, Heidi. You appreciate it. All right, take care, guys. Thank right. you. There she is, Heidi Bye. Fang, Las Vegas Review Journal. Check out all of her stuff, whether it's Raiders related, UFC related. Heidi Fang at Las Vegas Review Journal. Dot com. All right, uh, busy weekend, like we said. You still got the USA basketball happening in USA against Spain. They had a game against Australia. That was canceled, not postponed, just just canceled. And the way the USA basketball team has been playing and then with its roster and flex, uh, definitely they, they said no need to play. So, again, Bradley Beal out, Kevin Love out. And today they added JaVale McGee and Keldon Johnson. And, uh, oh, by the way, uh, next time we're... We take the airwaves on Monday, Frank. Uh, those guys are going to be on a plane to Japan, getting ready for the Olympics. Well, there you go, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see how that works out for them. There, going to be a unique situation for them uh, at this particular Olympics. But uh, I'm, I, I kind of agree with Sam. I think they still should win the gold, but I also definitely agree with you. There is no guarantee whatsoever. Yeah. I, I, I think they'll medal for sure. I don't know what color it will be. There you go. And I think a lot of people thought they would medal in the World Championship Games two years ago, and they finished seventh, like Sam said. So we'll see. All right. Uh, appreciate everyone for joining us today. Uh, Ruthie Bolton, the two-time Olympic gold medalist, uh, women's basketball pioneer and icon. Appreciate her joining us. Sam Gordon here. And, of course, Ballpark Frank and Numchuk back in the studio. Have yourself a good one, everyone, and we reconvene on Monday. Go to the website. Check out the latest articles. The interviews are all up there. Our interview with B.J. Armstrong talking about Game number five coming up tomorrow night. The NBA Finals. Give that a listen to. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank. Have yourself a good one. T.C. Martin Show.com. And we'll talk to you Monday at 2.